0: A journalist working with an Italian newspaper was killed in Ukraine.
1: These are the ones where the story matters the most to them. They're trying to tell people what's happening in their country about this aggression against them. And they are the ones who are being attacked and killed just for trying to do their job and going out and reporting.
0: Plus, Russia has a plan to get more public support in the occupied territory they control. They're bringing in a new public.
2: They uh, move uh, Russian citizens from deep, uh, deep Russian territories uh, to Ukrainian territories in order to basically change the mentality and change the ethnical map of, of these regions.
0: And later in the program, worldwide military expenditures are at a level not seen since the Cold War. Today is Thursday, April twenty seventh. From the Voice of America, this is Flashpoint Ukraine. Good evening, I'm Steve Karish in Washington. NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg is confident that Ukrainian troops are getting the supplies they need, he said Thursday. Karen Chamas reports.
1: NATO countries have delivered over 98% of the combat vehicles promised to Ukraine, according to the military alliance's chief. The supplies put Kiev in a stronger position, as the country appears poised to launch a counteroffensive. NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg seemed confident Ukraine would succeed in its efforts.
3: That means over 1,550 armored vehicles, 230 tanks, and other equipment, including uh, vast amounts of ammunition. In total, uh, we have trained and equipped more than nine new Ukrainian armored brigades. This will uh, put Ukraine in a strong position to continue to retake occupied territory.
1: Stoltenberg said the 31 NATO allies were committed to shoring up Ukraine's military, adding that taking back land occupied by Russian forces would give Kyiv a stronger negotiating position if peace talks occur. I'm Karen Chamas.
0: A developing story out of southern Ukraine. A Ukrainian journalist working with reporters for La Repubblica has been shot dead by Russian snipers while his Italian colleague was injured, the Italian newspaper said on Wednesday. I'm joined by VOA's Press Freedom Editor, Jessica Jurit.
1: There was um, a news crew working with an Italian news outlet. One of their journalists, a Ukrainian, uh, who was working as a fixer, someone who helps the uh, foreign journalists, was killed in what appears to be an ambush by Russian snipers when they were in Kherson in southern Ukraine.
0: Do we know that the Russian snipers knew they were journalists? Is it possible they thought they were soldiers?
1: The reports coming out of Kherson and from the um, reporter, the Italian reporter who was with this Ukrainian journalist, they were wearing vests reading press. It's very clear that these were there as journalists. Before the um, apparent ambush took place, they passed through three Ukrainian checkpoints and had been allowed to go through and enter closer into the city where they were trying to just report on the events there.
0: Now, needless to say, Ukraine is a dangerous place for anybody, let alone journalists. Do we know how many journalists have been hurt or killed while reporting there?
1: Yeah, I mean, Ukraine has, the the war in Ukraine has attracted a large number of journalists. There's at least 15 confirmed cases of journalists being killed on assignments since the uh, first full-scale invasion started in February last year. Quite often we see that local journalists, fixers like this man who was killed yesterday who are there helping foreign journalists to, you know, they, they know their city, they understand the lay of the land, they can help communicate, help with all of that expertise and background to help the West understand what's happening in Ukraine. And they're predominantly the ones who are being affected. And for them as well, it's... These are the ones where the story matters the most to them. They're trying to tell people what's happening in their country about this aggression against them. And they are the ones who are being attacked and killed just for trying to do their job and going out and reporting.
0: Jessica Jurit is VOA's Press Freedom Editor. Ms. Jarit, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks for your analysis. Thank you. Something strange has been found deep in the Polish woods. Authorities are only calling it a, quote, military object. And while the public doesn't yet know what it is, it's highlighting fears of crossfire from the Ukraine war spilling across the border. Although local media reports that it's actually maybe a lost missile from the Polish army. Reuters' Matthew Laratonda has the details.
4: The discovery of what's been described as a military object in a forest in Poland is highlighting fears of crossfire from the Ukraine war spilling across the border. Although it's not clear where it actually came from, and local media say it may actually be Polish. The Polish defense and justice ministries haven't publicly identified the object, nor have they said how long it was sitting there, Local authorities all declined to comment. A local radio station, RMF FM, is reporting that authorities believe it's part of an air-to-surface missile several meters long and probably owned by the Polish army, but didn't cite their sources. The area is hundreds of kilometers from the border, and there is reportedly a military airport nearby. Regardless, Poland is on heightened alert for incidents like this. Last November, two people were killed in Poland by what its government concluded was a Ukrainian air defense missile that misfired.
0: That's Reuters' Matthew Laratonda reporting. A little more depth and context now on a story we first brought to you in Wednesday's show. China says it will send a peace envoy to Ukraine and other countries, and it wants to act as a mediator in Russia's war on Ukraine. Both Chinese leader Xi Jinping and Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky confirmed that they spoke by phone on Wednesday, a conversation Kyiv has been asking for. VOA's senior diplomatic correspondent Cindy Sane reports.
5: Amid Russian shelling and destruction in eastern Ukraine, China surprised the World Wednesday with this announcement. The Chinese side will send a special representative of the Chinese government on Eurasian affairs to visit Ukraine and other countries to conduct in-depth communication with all parties for a political settlement of the Ukrainian crisis. China made several public announcements Wednesday calling attention to its diplomatic initiative toward Ukraine, saying that Chinese leader Xi Jinping spoke with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky. Zelensky had been asking to speak with Xi and took to Twitter to welcome the conversation. In Washington, White House National Security Council Spokesperson John Kirby welcomed the news of the leader's conversation, saying, It's important for President Xi and PRC officials to avail themselves of the Ukrainian perspective on this illegal and unprovoked invasion by Russia. Russian Foreign Ministry spokeswoman Maria Sakharova said that Moscow sees broad concord with China's approach but that the main obstacle is what she termed Kyiv's unrealistic demands. She visited Moscow in March. Beijing has refused to condemn Russia's invasion of Ukraine or demand withdrawal of its troops, instead calling for restraint by all parties and accusing NATO of fomenting the fighting. This leaves most foreign policy experts skeptical that China can play the peacemaker. Michael Kimmage of the Catholic University of America told VOA there was no way China was offering a useful diplomatic framework for ending this conflict. He spoke to VOA via Zoom.
0: It's going to play a role in Ukraine's reconstruction, and it's a big economic actor, and it's a major country, but it's not as if China is, for the time being and for the foreseeable future, any kind of realistic alternative uh, to any of the actors uh, in the war itself
5: image said there are economic factors at play.
0: China and Ukraine had a pretty substantial economic relationship before the war. I believe that China was Ukraine's largest uh, trading partner, and China has a network of economic interest in the region, you know, not just in Ukraine, but uh,
4: uh,
0: in the broader region. Cindy Sain, VOA News. You're listening to VOA's Flashpoint Ukraine. I'm Steve Karish. <laughs> In an effort to repopulate their occupied territories with a more pliant and obedient population, Russia is resettling people from deep in eastern Russia to southern Ukraine. They're taking over the houses of those who fled. Anna Chernakova in Kyiv has the details.
2: What we can uh, hear from, particularly from the local authorities, Ukrainian local authorities, from Uh, Kherson region and the Parisia region uh, and also uh, from um, from Crimea uh, as well because uh, there is still the Ukrainian authorities still exists they're just operating outside of the occupied territories you know there is still information from the intelligence coming Uh, so what we can see that actually Russians are trying to change the ethnical um, the ethnical map of the of the regions that they occupy. Uh, they uh, move uh, Russian citizens from deep uh, deep Russian territories uh, to Ukrainian territories in order to basically change the mentality and change the ethnical map of, of these regions, making it um, easier for them to control and to rule in that areas. And what we also see, and this is what is um, also confirmed, at least by the Ukrainian intelligence and, as I already mentioned, uh, local authorities um, of these regions, that actually uh, the homes and businesses of Ukrainian citizens are uh, just taken uh, and they are just re-registered to Russian citizens. And uh, unfortunately, this is something similar to what was happening d- during the USSR period during this repression period. Uh, for instance, in Crimea, it was a very common situation back then with Crimean Tatars and other ethnical g- groups that, and Ukrainians, uh, ethnical Ukrainians that were living there. And also in Donbas as well, uh, because in Donbas, we know that during this USSR time, early USSR, Uh, Particularly, uh, a lot of uh, people from deep Russian territories were moved uh, to this Ukrainian Donbass areas. So basically, this is changing not only the ethnical map, it's also changing the mentality of the region and also the population of voters. If uh, Russian forces have these plans of further development of their rule in that area, they will need uh, voters who would be, uh, you know, uh, supportive.
0: What do we know about the Russians who are moving in? Do we know if they're moving in voluntarily?
2: Um, You know, it's difficult to say because we cannot independently talk to these people or independently verify, um, you know, meet them. Uh, But what I know, for instance, from uh, citizens of Kherson, those people who are either either evacuated during the occupation or survived occupation, I was talking to some people and what they were telling me that uh, particularly um, they are just meeting people who don't know. So they are p- people on the streets uh, with Russian accent, this particular uh, Russian accent uh, in Russian language. Uh, so they ask such things like how to get to the city center or how to get to the train station or to the market. So some things that... Uh, locals would know and these people they do not seem that they uh, suffer in that territories because very often people who are moved to this south areas of ukraine which uh, which is very comfortable areas to leave uh, these people are moved from uh, some cold deep uh, territories uh, from russia but again we cannot say you know the conditions of the of them being mov- moving but according to what people uh, locals uh, from Kherson, Particularly told me they do not look like people who suffer. So, uh, but again, I cannot I cannot tell for sure if if this is voluntarily or not.
0: Well, certainly a lot going on and a developing story. We'll keep our eye on Anna Chernakova in Kiev. Anna, as always, thank you for your time today.
2: Thank you, Steve.
0: With the biggest land war Europe has seen since the end of World War II and tensions rising in East Asia, it's really no surprise that global military spending has increased. For context, I'm joined by Lorenzo Scarazato from the Stockholm International Peace Research Institute. So you examined worldwide military spending. What did you find?
3: (laughs) We have a story, which is, of course, the war in Ukraine. We've seen how Europe mainly reacted to that. And proximity is definitely a factor here. So we've seen how states close to Ukraine and, and Russia, or in the proximity or even directly bordering, were among the ones increasing their military spending year on year.
0: Uh, this shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody, should it?
3: Uh, it definitely does not, since uh, Europe, Central and Western Europe has been increasing their military expenditure at least since 2014. And the story here is the fact that now we're at the level that we hadn't seen since the end of the Cold War.
0: When you say it's not at a level since the end of the Cold War, a level of what? Uh, dollar amount, percentage of GDP? What what metric are you using?
3: Mm-hmm. The dollar amount is uh, the complexity. The complexity uh, amount of Central and Western Europe is at the same high. It overcame to surpass what was at the end of
0: the Cold War. So let's contrast what's happening um, in Europe now versus what was happening, say, 10 years ago. Given that Russia invaded Ukraine in 2014, they annexed uh, Crimea and those other eastern territories, what was a normal expenditure prior to 2014, and what does it look like today?
3: So, yes, uh, Central and Western Europe has been decreasing its military expenditure, at least since the 90s. In 2014, it was actually the lowest point it, it uh, had ever reached. And since then, we can see a sharp increase. So it looks like a, an, a giant U-shaped uh, graph where we are now uh, at a higher point than we uh, were at the, when, we, when we started.
0: Now, clearly Europe and Eastern Europe isn't the only part of the world where there is military spending. What did your study reveal about military spending in other places?
3: So yes, the other notable development is what's happening in Asia. We've seen how China keeps increasing its military spending. That's the 28 years, the consecutive year uh, in which uh, Chinese military spending has been rising. And that does not come as a surprise, but we've seen the reaction of the neighboring states. So we've seen how India, but also Japan and South Korea are increasing their military expenditure. However, inflation played a huge role in that. And we've seen that, for example, in South Korea, where the nominal term uh, expenditure increased, so more money put into military stuff. And yet, given the high rate of inflation, that uh, resulted that translates in a real-term decrease.
0: Now, does your study look at what money is not being spent on, or the consequences of this military spending? If the world is increasing its military spending so much, is there something we're not getting? Is there something we don't have money for? Mm -hmm.
3: So we don't have exact figures. We don't don't go that deep into uh, budgets. So we know how much they're spending, but we don't check what redu- what countries are reducing their spending on. Um, what I can tell you is that many states are taking different approaches. So we have, for example, Germany or even Poland, where they decide to produce new debt. So they say, hey, we're getting more money and we're going to repay that later on. But we have also like um, Denmark, which decided to uh, cancel a public holiday in order to get more money.
0: My last question for you, Given the increase over time uh, of military spending, what does that say about the world to you?
3: <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, there's definitely uh, more mistrust compared to what was in, in the 90s, the end of Cold War. Possibly the world was a more optimistic place back then. And we've seen how, especially here in Europe, uh, countries are realizing how the paradigm of warfare, at least as uh, high intensity warfare and symmetric one, uh, states against states. That's coming back. That's something that Europe thought they would never see again. Uh, yet the, the Russian aggression of Ukraine has has brought war back to to Europe's tr- threshold. Um, that's probably the, the the same in Asia. Uh, tensions across the Strait has been uh, have been rising for 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 the past year, especially with acute uh, moments when, uh, for example, Nancy Pelosi visited Taiwan. And we see how that is reflecting in a less uh, diplomatic approach and in a more uh, military one, in a more, uh, I say, uh, hard security-oriented focus.
0: Lorenzo Scarazato is a research assistant with the Stockholm International Peace Research Institute. Mr. Scarazato, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks for having me. In the first nine months of Russia's full-scale invasion of Ukraine, a Polish business group says Ukrainians have started 14,000 companies in neighboring Poland. Now those Ukrainian entrepreneurs, having beaten the odds of starting a business in a foreign country, are succeeding and making contributions big and small to their country's war efforts. For VOA, Lisa Backlett's reports from Warsaw.
6: Super. Inna Jarova and her husband moved to Poland seven years ago. Since then, they have managed to take on the competitive Polish
5: market. We've opened the smallest cafe in Poland. Even the local Guinness Book of Records proved it. And now we have three chains, cafes, restaurants and bars in Poland and the Czech Republic.
6: When Russia's full-scale invasion started, Ina became a volunteer as well. Ukrainian refugees could get free coffee in her cafes, and her team gathered donations for military first aid kits. She also tries to help Ukrainian entrepreneurs enter the Polish market. One such opportunity was in business forum called Be
5: Brave Like Ukraine. We invited Ukrainian speakers who have lived in Poland for 10 to 15 years and run their businesses here. Some are at the top of the Polish Forbes list. They can share their experience with Ukrainian newcomers.
6: The forum was named after the Ukrainian national communication campaign Be Brave Like Ukraine. The slogan is meant to boost or call attention to the quality that Ukrainians are most proud of – bravery. Organizers say bravery and their resilience help Ukrainian business people jump in and succeed in the European market.
1: Because of
5: their social protection, Europeans are more stable and calmer. Ukrainians, on the contrary, have to survive constantly, to make decisions quickly because we don't know
6: what could happen tomorrow. The organizer of the forum, Natalia Panchenko, says the success of Ukrainian businesses abroad is crucial for the homeland.
2: When a Ukrainian company enters the
5: Polish
6: market, it expands.
2: Most of the businesses were already
5: started
6: in Ukraine.
2: The Ukrainian
5: economy needs, roughly speaking, to be pumped with money. And it is elementary to pump this economy with money from Europe, since there are thirsty buyers here who can buy goods and services.
6: An example is the shipping company Nova Post, which has operated in Poland since October. The firm has already opened 31 branches across the country. Its operations director, Jwhanta Fichuk, explains the company's focus.
0: Today, our goal is not to become a prominent player in the Polish market. We are more interested in connecting Ukraine with Poland, connecting Polish business with Ukrainian business, or, for instance, Ukrainian buyers with a business in Poland.
6: Some are calling for businesses to expand their role beyond monetary support and take a more activist stance in helping the war effort. Volunteer Lubov thinks companies should go beyond monetary donations and make some real sacrifices.
5: Besides donations, they must urge European businesses to leave the Russian market. If they stay in Russia, they will stimulate the Russian economy, which helps pay for Russian missiles, which, as we know, have even reached Poland. All
6: proceeds from the Be Brave Like Ukraine forum are going to purchase generators for hospitals in Ukraine. The aim is to buy 47 at a cost of about $200,000. dollars Bakalets, News,
0: Warsaw. And that'll do it for us today. Stay up to date with continuing coverage on Ukraine and news from around the world 24 hours a day. Visit us online at voanews.com and on social media, be sure to follow VOA News. On behalf of the entire Flashpoint Ukraine team, thanks for listening. Until next time, I'm Steve Carrish.
5: This is the voice of
4: America Washington Bam DC.